1 Corinthians, we're going to start at chapter 12. And Abby's going to come and bring our reading in just a second. But before we read that, so as a church, we're in a series asking, why do we do what we do? WD, WD, WWD. We'll have merch coming out soon, I hope. And we've looked at a number of different things. We've looked at why do we gather? Why do we teach? Why do we sing? Why are we going to do communion? We're going to look ahead to that next week. And this week, we're going to ask together, why do we pray? Why prayer? Prayer happens in a number of different ways in our service, but it happens quite a lot. We'll pray to introduce the service. We'll generally pray at the end of the worship. There'll generally be someone who comes up, as Jeremy and Rady tonight, and then they'll pray. We'll finish a sermon. Someone will pray. We'll often have a time of response. 99% of the time, we have a time of prayer ministry, and we pray. And then someone ends the service, and we pray. And then the hope is that all the time the rest of us are praying. So it's a great question to ask, and that's how many times I can say the word prayer and pray. It's a great question to ask, why do we pray? And we're going to be exploring God's word together from 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to teach it. But we're going to have the reading now. So Abby, where are you? Great. So everyone have it? 1,153, starting at the first verse of chapter 12. One Corinthians twelve verses one to eleven concerning spiritual gifts. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Thank you so much. Let's pray, shall we? God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that when we gather in your name, they are also. And we thank you so much for your word. And I pray that you would speak to us all tonight, God. And I pray that we wouldn't just get information, but we would see your transformation in our lives and through us, God. Amen. Amen. God is dead, said Frederick Nietzsche. The big G-O-D is D-E-A-D. He's popped his clogs. He was famous for saying this. He said it in the late 18th century. And the irony was he didn't actually believe God was dead. He just believed that the idea of God and belief in him wasn't possible anymore because of the advances in science and the Enlightenment. He could not have been further from the truth. The reality of it could not be more different. God's alive. Amen? And as we've read just now from 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, and he writes to them about all sorts of things. There's loads going on in that church, some of it good, so he's encouraging 
them, some of it bad, so he's rebuking them. He writes about incest, uh, lawsuits, marriage, sacrifices to idols, communion, head coverings, all sorts. And he gets to this point in the letter, and he writes about spiritual gifts. Read with me from verse 1 again. Now about the spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. And Paul is especially concerned about this for this church because they used to be pagans. Now pagans, that might conjure up images for us of people in hoods and chanting and animal sacrifices or something. But his point was, you, just, you worship false gods. You're not a Jew, you're not a Christian, you worship idols. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, he says, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. But in great contrast to the idols they worshipped, and in great contrast to the philosophers like Frederick Nietzsche who say God is dead, our God is not a dumb idol. He is the living God. God is alive. And as I speak about prayer today, and as we think about that, and as we think about spiritual gifts, this has to be our starting place. The power and presence of God at work amongst us. And there's so much from these verses that I could take to show you that God is powerful and that God is present. But let's just take two. Read with me from verse 6. Paul's writing and he says, There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now Paul's giving a correction to the church because they thought that the supernatural work that was happening amongst them came from different spirits. So prophecy came from one spirit and tongues came from another spirit and healing came from another spirit. But Paul says it's all from the same God. Verse 4, you'll see it. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Can you see the correction that's happening? It's not that there are different kinds of gifts from different spirits. Instead, he continues in verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. God is at work. In the 80s, there was that band, Men at Work. You had a song, Do you come from the land, that one. Well, this is God at work. God is at work. God is not dead, but he is alive. And he moves among his people. And he's at work within our church now. And he's moving in this city, and he's moving in our nation, and in this world. Paul says it again, verse 11. He's just described a big list of spiritual gifts. And then he says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. So God's at work. God is present. God is alive. God is active. God hasn't just set the universe off on the beginning and then just retreated. God is interacting. God is working amongst his people. We worship the living God, not a mute idol. He says, you've been led astray to mute idols. Well, we actually worship the living God, the living God who speaks. And Paul's point here is you can see his work, you can see God's work in the way that the gifts are distributed among the people of God. That's how his power is made manifest. And so as we think about prayer, our starting place has to be precisely the fact that God is alive and that God is at work in us and amongst us. And we are seeking his living power and his work. We are seeking, as we've prayed tonight, as we've sung tonight, your kingdom come, your will be done. So when we gather, we have a half-hour prayer meeting that happens before this service. We pray in that because we're saying, God, have your way in this time. Take all our well-laid plans and our preparation and use it. And we pray prayers of intercession often after our first block of worship because we're saying, God, we want to be looking out and praying for this world and we want to be praying for our church and our community and what you're leading us to pray for. We're praying on earth as it is in heaven. 
We know that you're the God who is alive and we're seeking your risen power. We pray in this way because God is not dead. God is alive. Now, amazingly, of course, God did die. So I guess Nietzsche was right for three days. Jesus was laying in the tomb. But Jesus has defeated death. And by the same spirit that lives in us, he was raised to life, to new life. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is not dead, but he is living. He is our living hope, our living king. And our king has called us to pray for his kingdom come. So we pray because we are seeking, responding to the king of kings and saying, Lord, would your kingdom come and your will be done? Now, that can be hard. Those prayers are contested sometimes, aren't they? And also, it can be hard to pray like that because our faith can feel small. We had the Clapham Sunday last week. Amazing day. Great day of celebration and proclaiming who God is and what he's done. I loved it. Uh, We said that we were going to pray for 50 people to become Christians. And I was the main person on a stage with the microphone saying, we're going to pray for 50 people to become Christians. But I recognized a few days after saying that for the first time that actually my faith for that prayer felt quite small. Actually, it felt quite hard for me to pray that because my belief only seemed to stretch to a certain level. I wonder what you find it hard to pray for. Maybe there's a specific area, something in your family, something in your life. Or maybe actually, as we talk about prayer tonight, you find it hard to pray at all for some reason. You see, we see we're starting in 1 Corinthians here, and Paul says God's at work. His power is at work amongst us. Well, that so isn't our starting place, is it? So often, we come into church when we come together like this, and we're so in our own worlds. That might be caught up in our own sin. That might be caught up in something good, but that's not led us to God. Um, sometimes the starting place for prayer, uh, if you're doing the intercessions, it's officially in a service, is the BBC news page. You know, praying through, oh goodness, what's happened in the world? Better check. Rather than the power and the presence of God. That's the starting place. Of course, as we talk about prayer, this is the overflow of personal prayer, isn't it? Jesus said, when you pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who is unseen sees what is done in secret will reward you. So prayer is a personal thing. It starts as a personal thing. In fact, um, we had a prayer ministry training the other day, and we have this chap called Herman who does our cooking amazingly well. If you've ever been to one of our events, you've probably had his food. And I said, Herman, what would you say to us tonight? And he said, basically, this isn't worth anything unless it comes out of your own prayer life. I, I totally agreed, and I shared that on the night. The right conviction. You can't talk about public prayer without first talking about private prayer. But private prayer should lead us to public prayer. Because God has called us to pray. What does Jesus say? Our Father. So yes, he'll say, go to your room, pray on your own, but he also says, our Father. So we're to pray together. And as you can see, as soon as I'm starting talking about this, prayer gets at the very heart of our personal relationship with Jesus, our walk with him, and also it gets at the heart of what we actually think about God. Because what I've perceived and what I see in myself and in others is what we believe about God really shapes the way we pray. So if we're recklessly convinced of the goodness of God and his power, that changes the way we pray. And the conviction we must carry is that God is alive, God is at work, 
And amazingly, the God of all power and glory has called us to partner with him and pray his kingdom come. Now, I wonder if you can see that kind of prayer that I'm talking about. When we did the teaching on worship a few weeks ago, we described there were two uh, directions to worship. One of them was vertical, one of them was horizontal. So there was vertical worship in the sense that we sung to God, and then there was horizontal worship in the sense that we worshipped over one another. And in a sense, it's the same with prayer. And what I'm talking about so far is like vertical prayer. It's praying to God for his work to be done. Our God is not a mute idol. Our God is the living God, and we're crying out to him for his work to be done. In a sense, whatever we're praying for, people, situations, places, we prayed for the church plant earlier, we prayed for those people, you know, we prayed for people after Clapham Sunday, whatever it is, we're praying to him. But also, there's another type of prayer that happens in our services. And I guess you could call it horizontal prayer, in the sense that we pray across to one another. So when we get people to come to the front, and we're going to do it later, not that there's anything special about the front, sometimes we have people pray for one another in the pews, that's also great. But when we do that, it's not just coming with our shopping lists and saying, these are the things I need, can you pray for me on my behalf to God? Although we do do a bit of that, we are doing the vertical thing as well when we pray for one another. But actually, we're seeking to minister to one another out of what God has given us. We're seeking to bless one another, to encourage one another, to equip one another through what God has done. Instead, using our God-given gifts, we're to share to one another. Paul describes it like this. Read with me from verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This means God equips every Christian to minister and bless other Christians by the power of the Spirit. And someone say, might say, well, you know, God was at work in the Corinthian church and it was, he was working in such a powerful way that it actually seems quite removed from this context. You know, you look through the, the list of um, spiritual gifts starting at verse 8. They sound pretty, you know, full on. You know, miraculous, supernatural. There's uh, healing, there's miraculous powers, there's prophecy. That sounds quite different from our context. Is this really for our church now? Now, of course, the church that Paul was talking to was full of the power and work of God. Do you notice in verse 1, he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's speaking to a church that was operating in the gifts, and he was informing about them what was already going on. So the power of God was already at work. But actually, this isn't just for the Corinthian church. This is for us too. Let me show you why. Well, if we're Christian, we have the Holy Spirit in us. What did, you, did you see this? Look, read me from verse 3. He says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So you can only say, Jesus is Lord, i.e. ascent to the most fundamental truth in the universe, i.e. be a Christian, unless the Holy Spirit has helped you do that. You can't say, Jesus is Lord, unless the Spirit helps you mean it and say it unless you've been reborn by the Spirit. And every believer who has the Spirit gets spiritual gifts. Verse 7 again. Now to each one, each one, not some, not a few, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Flip down to verse 11. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes to each one, just as he determines. 
God gives all of his children gifts by the Spirit for the blessing and encouragement of other believers. And I'm saying we've got a God who is not dead, but who is alive, and he is at work, and he moves in supernatural power, even in this day and age. And amazingly, part of the way God moves and works is in us and through us. You know, I've said it, I'll say it again. Verse 6, God is at work, not dead but alive. But where is God at work? Notice it, verse 6 again, in everyone, in everyone, in me and in you, God is at work, growing us and equipping us. You see, for all of us here, God doesn't just want to work for you and to you, but he wants to work through you. God doesn't just want to work for you and to you, although he does. He wants to work through you, through the spiritual gifts, one of the ways. Well, what are they? Well, there's nine listed in verses 7 to 11, and then there's three more repeated at the end of the chapter, uh, verses 28 to 30. And then there are at least three other lists in the New Testament. Um, These gifts, uh, especially on the other list, include things like financial giving, leadership, showing mercy. You can actually see there's a huge variety Um, Some are more obviously supernatural, especially the ones that we have for us in our passage. You know, there's the gift of miraculous power and the prophetic. But also some are more natural talents. Uh, They can be just transformed and energized by the Holy Spirit. So actually, if you flip to verse 28 at the end of the chapter, in and among the, you know, the spectacular stuff, healing, guidance, miracles, prophets, teachers, 28, he says, then gifts of healing... And of helping, sometimes called administration. Helping others is a spiritual gift. So can you see there's such a variety? And God has equipped all of us in these ways to do his work. It's like this. Ben, can I come and can you come to the stage, please? Thank you for being such a willing participant, Ben. Um, I'm now going to pray for Ben in this scenario. So can you assume the position? Okay, great. Well done. Now, stay there, stay there. Okay. Um, so, you know, you might think he's come to a time of prayer and you're going to pray for someone. And you might stay, eyes closed. And you might stay, okay, Lord, bless, bless Ben. He's clearly got some needs just looking at him. So bless him. Bless him heaps and heaps. Shower your blessings on him, Lord. You know, heal his face and whatever else he needs. Mm, Pray for growth in all areas of his life, Lord. (laughs) Lord, do it. Lord, bless him. Lord, bless him. And the Lord says, I'm going to bless him through you. And I've equipped you with things to give him. You can open your eyes now. So we might be praying, Lord, I want you to give whoever you're praying for amazing things. And the Lord says, I've equipped you with things to give them, which in this case happens to be a Bible. I've equipped you, the Lord says, with things to bless people with, which in this case happens to be a MacBook Pro. You're not actually going to keep that. We might be there going, Lord, Lord, bless, bless, do your thing. And God says, I'm going to use you to do it. And I've equipped you to do it. I'm going to use you. Lord, do something amazing. God's going, I'm going to use you to do something amazing in the various ways that I've equipped you. Thank you, Ben. You can keep that one. Can you see? We might be there going, expecting God to do the miraculous and the supernatural, and that's what we should do. We should expect him to do that. But amazingly, God's power is at work in us. God wants to use us 
to do that. So I wonder if you can see why I would describe this as horizontal prayer. There's the two God thing. We're saying, God, we're beseeching him. That's an old school word. Interceding, seeking his kingdom come. But then also, through what God gives us, we bless people in the rucksack, if you like, of our spiritual gifts. Every, at the end of every service, we have time of prayer ministry. And the goal of that time is not just to pray for one another and say, you know, repeat back exactly what someone says, but it's actually to encourage and equip for the common good, as verse 7 says. Now, um, I don't have time to go through all the spiritual gifts that are there. And I'd encourage you, if this is new to you or you need reminding, to do your own reading and research. But I just want to talk about two. I want to talk about words of knowledge and I want to talk about prophecy. Did you see in verse 8, he talks about a message of wisdom. Can you see that? A message of wisdom in verse 8. And that generally in common phrase gets called a word of knowledge. And then in verse 10, he says to another, the Lord gives prophecy. So words of knowledge and prophecy. And I want to talk about those. I want to talk about prophecy, especially because Paul emphasizes it so much. And I want to talk about words of knowledge because often, and especially those two together, that's what happens in our church. So let's just think about, what does he, when he says a word of knowledge, a message of wisdom, what does he mean? Um, this is when God reveals something that exists. So someone has a revelation of something that exists. This could be a condition, this could be a specific person, this could be a circumstance. Um, let me give you an example. Two weeks ago in worship, uh, I was leading the service, and we were singing at the beginning, and I just had my, my thought came into my mind that we should pray for people for healing. And it sounded to me like my own thought, but I just thought, okay, maybe that's for me, maybe it's from the Lord, I don't know. So I just briefly prayed. Okay, God, is that from you? And then I had, again, it sounded a bit like my own thought, but it was, there's someone here who has um, pain in their upper back on their spine. I thought, okay. Maybe that's me. But then uh, at the end of the worship, I said, we're going to pray for people for healing. I think God wants to heal people. And maybe there's someone here who has something going on. And it was interesting. As I was giving it, I actually added a bit that I hadn't thought about before. But it was, and this has happened in an accident on a car or a bike. Now, as it turns out, someone after the service came up to me and said, oh, actually, I had a bike injury a while ago. And I was doing okay. But now I've actually got pain here in the top of my back, on my spine. And I thought, huh, maybe that's the Lord. Now, I'm not claiming that it necessarily was, you know, but maybe it was. The other day, we're in our Connect group, and we always split boys and girls to pray. There's nothing magic about it, but God's just been doing great things as we've prayed for one another. And we're praying for someone, and we were praying about needing to step out in faith and trust God. And I just, we basically just finished prayer. You know, you've gone around the circle, everyone's prayed. And, um, and then I thought, and I think I'd prayed already. And then I thought, oh, actually, is there an area of faith that, you know, you need, basically, you need faith for, for this area? And I said, is there anything going on with your parents? And he sort of went, huh. And he said, yeah, my, my mum is about to retire tomorrow. And this is totally going to change my parents' living situation because they're coming together. It's going to be a totally new season. I'm a bit worried. 
And so we prayed for it there and then. And again, that might not be the Lord. But then again, it might be. And I can actually say that with some confidence because the Word says it. This is what God does. This is the kind of gifts God gives. He reveals things to us for one another. And actually, hearing something like that can be so encouraging because actually you can feel like God knows me. God knows this situation. God is powerful. God is at work. It can be so, so encouraging. Now, um, I should say, immediately as I talk about that, and even as I give two stories that involve me, that doesn't make me a spiritual hero. That doesn't make me better than anyone else. I'm not moving in that because of my own uh, spiritual excellence and worth. And It's because God gives it. Did you notice verse 7? To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To one, there is given through the Spirit. And the manifestation of the Spirit, that, that word is charismata. It's a gift. It's a gift, and it's grace. It's all grace. It's not what, you know, here's how you get to see my wonderful blessing and goodness. It's, we get to uh, praise God for his grace and what he does. And God wants to equip you and has equipped you in various ways, even in that way, even with something like a word of knowledge. And we're to desire this. I wonder if this is a desire as you think about things that you are seeking for in your life. Recently, as I said last time, I've been thinking a lot about the kind of furniture I'm going to buy for my new flat. And that's been consuming my mind slightly too much. We want for all sorts of things, don't we? Good and bad. We want for all sorts of things. But we're told to desire these kind of gifts. Skip ahead to verse 31 of the chapter. Well, I'll read from verse 30. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, it's no good having spiritual gifts without spiritual fruit. Paul will continue saying, basically, you can have amazing gifts. You can speak in tongues of men and angels. You can do all sorts of good things. But unless you have love, you gain nothing. So you can't have spiritual gifts without spiritual fruit. But we're still told to seek this. Go to the end of chapter 14. Uh, go to verse 39. It's over the page again. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Therefore, be eager to prophesy. Are you eager to prophesy? Are you eager for the greater gifts? Are you hungry for them? Are you desiring them? Is this a hunger in you? Amen. Come on. Now, he, he says, be eager to prophesy. What is prophesy? What is prophesying? What is prophecy? Well, um, prophesying is sharing what God has said. It's a variety of spirit-prompted speaking through which God communicates. Do you notice that he said, you used to worship mute idols, and now no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God. So God does speak, and amazingly, he speaks through us. God isn't mute, God speaks, God speaks through us. Now, all of our speaking sits under what God has said in his word. And we're to test everything that is said that might be prophetic from God's word. We're to test it. But amazingly, God speaks through us. Now, why this particular gift? Why did Paul say, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy? Well, again, chapter 14, go to verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, 
and comfort. I'll read it again, verse 3 of chapter 14. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. I've said that God is not dead. God is alive. God is at work within us. And God wants to use you and he wants to use me to bless one another, to speak to one another for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And that also means God wants to strengthen you, he wants to comfort you, and he wants to encourage you. And part of the way God wants to strengthen you, comfort you, and encourage you is through other people. It's amazing. There's absolutely nothing like uh, God speaking to us. I mean, that confirms what Scripture says. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me tell you two stories. Um, one was something I've said to someone once. The other one is what people have said to me. Um, a few years ago, I was at New Wine. It's a big Christian conference. And there was a time of prayer ministry, and I got to pray for a guy. And he was, you know, quite impressive. He was very well built. He was very tall. He had a big beard, you know, very masculine. Um, and I got to sort of lay a hand on him and pray for him. And um, almost as soon as I started praying for him, I was reminded of um, the phrase, mighty man of God. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then in the Old Testament, there's King David has his mighty men. I was just sort of, I thought that thought came to mind, that story, that um, biblical time, I was reminded of it. And I thought, okay, maybe that's from the Lord, maybe. And I sort of, I was just praying something sort of quiet and, you know, probably, hopefully positive. And I think God said to me, you need to tell him he's a mighty man and he's going to raise up other mighty men. So I did. That's exactly what I shared. And then even as I was speaking, I, think I said something like, God is going to use you to take, raise up men who have been on the margins of society and raise them up. And this big guy who's well-built and bearded and tall starts crying. I said, oh, man, you know, I've got one. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that's not what I do. That's not what it's about, people. Um, and at the end of it, I said, what, you know, what was that? You're clearly moved by it. And he said, well, I'm about to start a job rehabilitating ex-young offenders, male young offenders. And he just said, I felt like it was the Lord affirming and confirming in me what I'm about to do. And I think I was probably more encouraged than he was. Because I was like, wow, that was accurate then. Wow, God's real, basically. <laughs> another one, another story. Uh, a few weeks ago, well, probably two, actually probably two months ago now, I was at college and I was leading worship for the staff of the college um, that I was at. And it wasn't a very big gathering and I was just playing on guitar and I was leading for them. And lots of stuff was going on there, praying for one another, and I was just there to sort of help them do their thing. But at the end of it, one of my cheaters came up to me and said, um, can I just share something God might have said? You to wait and test it, but just share what he said. And he said, I think you're about to go into a time of vulnerability. And um, I didn't really know how to react. I just sort of said, okay. And he said, can I pray for you? And I said, yes. And as it turns out, since then, I think that's been shown to be true. Um, as I shared last time, I'm still in the middle of it. Both my granddads died very shortly after that, a week apart from each other. One died on a Friday night, the next died on a Thursday night. And uh, just a week after that, I, I was, the Lord reminded me, I think, oh, I've already encouraged you that I'm in this and I'm speaking to you and I'm comforting you and I'm not far from you. Yes, this is a season of vulnerability. And then adding to that, I um, was finishing my degree and I found finishing my degree really hard. I actually really struggled. 
um, trying to get all that work done and trying to cram it all in and then trying to do really well, but knowing it's not about doing well, you know, so sort of my goals are called into question. And in that time, the Lord reminded me again, it's okay, you're in this season of vulnerability. And I would share to people, and they all, rather people ask, how are you doing? And, you know, some of you will have heard me say, well, actually, yeah, things aren't so hot right now. And again, after I said that, the Lord would remind me, well, this is the season you're in. Um, happened the other day, another one, someone said to me, uh, someone said, I think you're just going into a season of learning at the moment. And then a week later, to someone I said, this has been just such a learning experience for me. And in that moment, I was like, wow, yeah, God's in it. And I found that so encouraging, comforting, and strengthening. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like the fresh word of the Lord. It's amazing to be involved in it. It's amazing by God's grace to share something that might actually affect someone, might actually be from the Lord. And then it's amazing to hear God speak to us. And Paul, when he was writing this church, he was longing for them to have unity and to have love. And he wanted them to love one another. And he wanted to do that through the prophetic, sharing what God has said, growing in it. No one arrives at that, by the way, fully ready. It's something you grow in. But that's what he was longing for them for. And that's what God longs for us, that we comfort, strengthen, and encourage one another. And that we ourselves are strengthened, comforted, and encouraged. And that all this, we might move in the Spirit for the common good, for other people. This is why God gives these things. This is why God gives things like healing and words of knowledge and the prophetic. It's for other people. It's not so we look good, but it's so that others are built up. And hopefully you can see why we do prayer ministry at HTC. This is why we pray for people. Because we want to use what God has given us to bless one another. John Wimber said that prayer ministry is meeting the needs of others on the basis of God's resources. And that's what we want to do. Praying up to God, but also praying across to one another. Now I've got some, a few more things I could say, but I think the way um, I should end, we had a... Uh, a word in our prayer ministry, to our prayer meeting before this. And someone said, it feels like this area feels like a really barren place for some people. So there might be some people here, and this just isn't your experience. And you might think, actually, this is great for other people, but is it for me? Some of you might actually think, well, this, some of this stuff, this gifts of the Spirit stuff, this isn't even for this time of the church. And you have a dispensationalist view. I'd love to open the word with you afterwards and disagree with you in love. Let's talk, seriously. If you actually believe the gifts of the Spirit are not for now, I'd love to talk that through with you. Let's understand one another. But for most of us, I don't think we'll be there. Paul says to that church, I said, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. Uninformed was the word he used. Maybe for us it's that we're unimpressed or that they're unimportant. Maybe we don't eagerly desire them. And maybe actually for some of us who think this just couldn't be me, this stuff doesn't, it doesn't feel like God speaks to me in this way for other people, and it doesn't feel like God speaks to me in this way. So Tim, it's all well and good hearing those stories from you, but I'm not sure God would do it with me. But as I said earlier, Nietzsche said God is dead, and that isn't true, but God did die, and he came back to life, he's ascended to heaven, and now for everyone who believes in his name, they get filled with the Spirit, they get called a child of God, they get adopted in the family, nothing separates us from the Lord, and the Lord gives all of us his spirit. There is no barrier to this. Children don't miss out. Old people don't miss out. 20-somethings don't miss out. Middle-aged people don't miss out. 
No one in the kingdom misses out of what God has for them. We're not all the same. We're a body. Paul gives this metaphor of a body, and he says, the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Some of you, you're a hand. Some of you are a foot. Some of you are a thigh. Some of you are a head. Some of you are a mouth. God has equipped you all in various ways, but God has equipped all of you to be, use you for his glory, to encourage one another, to bless one another, to build each other up. And God wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to equip you. God wants to speak into your life. God knows every situation you're in. He is not far from you. He has not abandoned you. God is close to you. God is the wisdom you need. We had a word before about maybe there's someone here who has been seeking wisdom from the occult. So that might be something through tarot cards or palm reading or something. God is the wisdom you need. God is the voice that you need to hear. And amazingly, by the Spirit, that's exactly what God wants to do. And that's exactly the kind of business God is in. For all of us. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And we want to be people who move in that. We want to be a church who moves in that. We want to be a word and spirit church. For everything we do, it's not that I'm doing the word now and we're going to do the spirit in a bit. The spirit's been working now. The spirit's going to keep working. We don't want to divide into it. We don't want to believe that, we don't just want to believe that this was done once, but we want to believe that God can do it again. We want to believe him in the miraculous and in the miraculous and the supernatural and the really normal. Some of this might sound so flighty to you and so big, but also this is just God equipping us where we're at. God has equipped you for your workplace. God has equipped you for your family. God has equipped you for every situation you might find yourself in. God wants to use all of us, and he wants to bless all of us. Let's pray to our Heavenly Father. God, I thank you that in Jesus Christ, you've done an amazing thing. You've done an amazing thing. God, you've opened, you've run the heavens and you've come down. And you've made a way for us to know you and now you've equipped us. You set your church on fire 2,000 years ago and you're still in the business of doing it. And I pray that you just stir in us such a hunger for the things of your spirit, God. I pray you right now you'd stir in us such a hunger and such a passion to see you move in power, God. I pray that you'd stir in us such a hunger and such a passion to see you move in small ways and very big ways, God. I actually pray right now for the gift of faith and a new expectation for the things that only you can do. God, we have sung tonight, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray right now that that be true of our hearts. God, your word says we're to eagerly desire. And I pray right now that you'd actually stir up in us a hunger to hear your voice and to share your voice, God. Lord, I pray where there are any barriers to this stuff that I've spoken about, Lord, I pray that they'd be broken down. Lord, barriers of inadequacy and unbelief and dissatisfaction and distraction, God, I pray that it'd be broken down in Jesus' name. I pray that you give us the right belief in our heads and our hearts, God. I pray that you give us the right view of ourselves through what you've done for us, God. And I pray that you give us the right view of you, God. You are alive, you are reigning, you are still at work, you are still present, you are still active. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live inside every one of us who is in Christ. Thank you that you're at work. And as we pray for people now, God, I pray that you would pour out the power of your Spirit. Thank you that your Spirit's already at work, God, but we dare to ask for more. Amen. Let's stand. Now, the great danger is here that there's a lot of hype. I've just got into it a bit, you know, I've just prayed. We don't want to hype anything up. But if you tonight want to be prayed for,
I need you tonight want to pray for others, we're going to do it at the front where there's lots of space to do that. So if you want to come right, if you want to be prayed for tonight for anything, I'd love you to come right now. That could be that um, you'll just sense the desire, a new hunger in this, and you want to move in this. It might be that um, you've actually, yeah, you're one of those people, actually, I don't feel like this is for me. We'd love to pray for you.